0: Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Y'all, Usher is not the star of tonight. The real star is... Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wrong song. It's the one that's like this. Okay, that's enough. She's not, she's not the star of the show either. All right, tonight, bazillions of people will be watching this football game. How many people are going to watch it? Okay, so let's just do this. Let's get it out of the way. How many people tonight are pulling for Kansas City? Raise your hand real high. Okay. All right, that's good. That's good. How many people are pulling for um, San Francisco? Okay. How many people are pulling for Taylor Swift tonight? Okay. How many people are pulling for the commercials? See, I knew it. How how about the best thing about the Super Bowl is the food, right? So let's just get it out of the way. Um, 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 That buffalo chicken dip or country caviar? See, it's a cowboy, I stand corrected. Cowboy caviar. Now it's going to be a good night. Millions of people will be watching this. They'll be enjoying food, enjoying family. One of the things that I love is I've got a group, a circle of friends, my, my, kind of my tribe. And we will be texting all night, big plays, or did you see that commercial? And it makes the, it makes the, the Super Bowl so much fun. And I love sports, okay? But I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge, huge professional sports fan. It's not, it's not, I love college sports. Um, Like I was kind of digging, like I don't have a professional football team I like. I was kind of hoping that a few years ago that the Atlanta Falcons would win. But of course, daddy Brady came to the, uh, he woke up at halftime and showed the Falcons, the game chickens, exactly what was going to happen. But there's, there's a bunch of reasons I really don't I like I like I like those kind of sports, but they get paid money to play, right? And now college sports I like because at least it appears, or it did at one time. <laughs> That they were, pay, they were playing for the love of the game. They, they literally loved playing the game of football or whatever, the, whatever it was. And then just past year, year and a half ago, there was these three initials that were thrown into our vocabulary that really are going to change the entire course of college sports. And these three letters are N-I-L. And it means name, image, and likeness. It means that now, like, let's just be honest with you. College athletes have been getting paid for years and years and years and years, they would get it in the bottle, uh, the bottom of a McDonald's bag. Sometimes, <laughs> they would just happen to show up like on their table, and there'd be you know hundreds of thousands. Or this past week, we saw you know like somebody get like a Lamborghini. Like it's been going on for a long time, but now all of a sudden, they can literally get paid and not get in trouble or or, or arrested or anything. And so, I, to be honest with you, I think it, and I get it, I get it. Their name engine, like it's their it's theirs, but. I don't know if you all remember this, but a few years, Georgia lost a major bowl game because we had three kids that signed shirts. And like I think we're owed a couple extra national championships, so let's take a vote right now. (laughs) A couple extra ones. Y'all, you in? The whole row of Georgia. This is really, this this is my cheering crowd right here. This is... But let me, let me tell you a couple reasons, just to, if I can be honest, a couple of reasons I don't like NIL and what's going on with our sports, and this is, and you're going to figure this out, is, is it takes away the love of the game. You know, it, it takes away the, the, that, like that player came and now they can go anywhere they want as many times as they want. And they jump in this thing called the portal, which when I first heard it, I thought we went from, you know, like here to outer space or something. And. But apparently, like, these players can go from any school, and there's no, you know, no contract. I'm just like, That doesn't. That I, th- I don't think, if we don't get a, a handle on this, it's not going to be good. The second thing is this, and this is more important. If you call yourself, we just sang a song, if you call yourself a child of God, this should probably bother you a little bit. Because there's nothing in the Bible that tells us that it's about us. It's not about my name. It's not about my image. It's not about my likeness. It's actually just the opposite. And when we look at scripture, if you take a deep dive in scripture, and that's what we're going to do over the next three weeks, is a deep dive in scripture, we find out that we are made in the image of God. We're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. We're made in his name. As a matter of fact, one of the first things I want us to get as we kind of just figure this whole series out is scripture tells us that we're called children of God. We just sang a song. that literally used that. It, it comes out of 1 John 3.1. It says, see how very much our father loves us, and he calls us his children, and that's, that is what we are. But the, but the people who belong to this world the people that aren't believers they don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him and that's a key factor right there if you're a child of God you know the father don't you um, a, c- a couple weeks ago, I have a grandson and he's like seven months old now. And, but, but we were FaceTiming and, and, and like FaceTime is a great tool when your kids don't live right next door to you. And, and, and he was on the thing and I, I said, Hey buddy. And, and Gina was have, ha- held the, the, the iPad, the iPad up. And she said, Oh, you wouldn't like what he just did was crazy. Like he turned his head, he snatched his head cause he heard his, his pop's voice. That's the way we should be with heavenly father. That when the Heavenly Father speaks to us, our, 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 our heads should turn and face our posture to f- you know, face the Heavenly Father. And so he calls us a child of God. Ephesians chapter one, verse five says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And that was, that's what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So that chasm that happened, remember the chasm back in Genesis because of sin, that chasm, like, like they were separated and they were, they were, they were exiled from the, from, the, from the garden. The restoration happened when Jesus died on the cross. Galatians chapter four, verse seven says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And what, what that Galatians is saying is this, and I want you to get this. There's certain privileges we have. So I have three daughters. Do you know my daughters have certain privileges that you guys will never get? Like my three kids, like here's the deal. There's, and, and, and they were all over my house last night. My children will always have a place at my table. There'll always be a place for all, all of my, th- I got three daughters and I got three son-in-laws. There is always a place for them at the table. Like, I don't care what's going on in their life. I don't care how bad it is or what it looks like. There's always a place, there's always a chair. As a matter of fact, we have created areas in our house so we can have more people at our table because we just love that kind of, you know, that kind of interaction together. Then you know what, what else? Regardless of what happens in their lives, they'll always have a place to stay in my house. Like, like not for long. <laughs> Like maybe a night, you know, or two, but, but, but they'll always, they'll never, they'll never, and you know what else? They'll always have parents, mom and dad, that care for them, regardless of how far, but doesn't that sound like our heavenly father? That we always have a fight, this is a great thing, we always have a place at his table. As a matter of fact, he prepares, the Bible says in Psalms, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemy. So in all, you know what's breaking loose in the world and around us. We have a place of peace. We have a place that we can come. We have a place of, you know, it's just, just we, we can be with the Father. You know what else? The Bible says he'll always take care of us. Psalms 37 says this, even, you know, I'll never see the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging bread. Meaning this, he's always going to take care of his children. And, 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 and there's always like, there's, he always has time. So that's the, that's the privileges we have. And so God, God calls us a child of God. But you know what else he does? He changes our name. Do you ever, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. All through scripture, you say, I, I can't go through all of them. I, there's like 20 of them or uh, 25 of them. But like, I just thought about Sarah, uh, Sarai, that was changed to Sarah. The old was gone, the new has come. Abram was Abraham. We, we see Joshua's name was changed. We, we see, we go into the New Testament and we see that, that Saul was now Paul. There's a, there's a conversion, and like, basically like, that passes the old you, but this is the new you. And then one of the greatest ones in scripture is Peter. He started out as Cephas, which means reed, and he was turned into Peter, which means rock. And literally in his reinstatement, Jesus looked at him and said, upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against that. He changes who we are. He deletes our past and he brings us into new. And he literally changes. So we're called a child of God and he changes our name. You know what else we are created? Scripture says in his image, in Genesis chapter 127. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God. In the image of God. Um, How many people served this week at Night to Shine? Thank you for serving. Just give yourself a big round of applause. It was an amazing night. Um, It is the best night. I, I had a conversation with a young man... Um, just before we were getting ready to leave, and it broke my heart because he said, Pastor Bobby, I've been, I come the journey. He comes to journey with his mom and dad, and he said, I've heard you say that God doesn't make any junk. He said, but what about me? And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go on record saying God doesn't make any junk. You were made in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. And I said, you know what? If you would stop calling yourself junk and so, start telling people around you and telling yourself even that you're unique, uniquely gifted, it'll change your perspective. And so I don't know what you came in there. Maybe you feel like you're junk, but I'm gonna tell you what, you're a child of God. And God doesn't make any junk. He said, We're made in the image. And it also says we should be like Christ. First Corinthians 11, one, the apostle Paul talks to one of his young proteges and he said, You should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So we should be like him. We should be in the, the name and the image and the likeness of God, not ourselves. And so that's what this whole series is about for the next three weeks. That's what we're gonna kind of break down. And today, specifically, I'm gonna look at a couple key components. What happens when we understand that we're not in our image, that we're in his image? And I think the very first thing, and I'm gonna tell you, I just feel like a lot of people are struggling with this. Maybe you're down at Sherwood. Maybe you're over in the atrium or watching online, or maybe you're in this room right here. I think there's a lot of people that struggle with this. Many think that their NIL, their name, image, and likeness, is, 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 is only attached to their secret past. Whatever their past was, was. whatever it looks like back here now I'm gonna say something yesterday morning we had um, some my kids a couple of my kids were over and we were talking and you know how many people have an iPhone or what's the other one the the, the devil's phone <laughs> Samsung is that Samsung is that what it's called so you have videos on all those things here, here's a, a really weird thing that's happened in the world we live on. everything you do in life can be recorded that quick And so the discussion was, aren't you glad, I said this to Gina, aren't you glad that they didn't have iPhones back when we were growing up? Because you know how many stupid things would have been on them screens? And I would have been on every social media like, look at what Bobby did. So everybody agrees with me? Okay. But here's the problem that we have. You want to know what the problem is? We may not have an iPhone video, but we're playing a reel in our minds every day of our lives. And a lot of us are struggling with this past, whatever happened maybe when we were 16 or 17, and God forbid anybody ever found out about that. You know, maybe in this room, and it's gonna get quiet in a second, maybe, maybe some of us in the room, we have a secret sin. And we really pray that nobody ever finds out what that secret sin is. And when somebody starts to bring it up or when the preacher starts talking about it, you kind of shrivel in your seat a little bit. I get it, I'm there. I have a couple of my hopes hope that never come out that only you know, me, God, and my wife know about. But it's one of those deals where like, but we, we constantly play that reel. We constantly go you know, over and over again in our mind. There, there's a passive scripture that I just want us to digest today. I just want us to kind of break it apart and look at it because it speaks to that very, that very problem that most of us have about our past. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16. It's gonna be on the side screen. If you have an analog Bible, you may wanna make some notes in this. But it says, so we have stopped evaluating others from human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Now, 17 is the guts of this. 17 is where we need to land. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That means what we used to be isn't what we used to be. That I left that way back, way back there. And even though the reels are playing in my mind, that I can speak to those reels. God, the Bible says, God has not given me the spirit of fear, of love, sound mind not fear and that's the thing that it it, it just plays in our mind and it, it brings anxiousness and depression and all those things but God hasn't given me that right there I was thinking about this I was watching a documentary a couple weeks ago. Um, it was about a woman named, her name was um, Sarah Jane Olson. Um, she was born a different name. She was born Kathleen Solai. And th- this is the interesting thing. She, she, she kind of ran away from home. She moved to the West Coast and she got involved with this radical kind of Christian cult. Uh, and so she got involved. in. It. Well, this cult started going a different direction. You probably will know the cult once I tell you what happened. But they were robbing people and stealing. And then they started breaking into people's houses. And in one of the break-ins, they end up killing somebody, and it was such a thrill for them that they decided they were gonna do it several more times. So she flees, she gets arrested, and before she can be put to jail, she flees and she goes to Minnesota. For 20 years, y'all, for 20 years, she lived in Alias. For 20 years, she lived as somebody else. She wasn't who she really was, she was a fugitive. And then one day, she marries a doctor, she's very affluent, lives in a mansion. She's the president of the PTO, y'all. And somebody at a PTO meeting sees her and goes, I saw you at the post office. The picture. And she gets arrested. And they take her away, and she's serving life in prison right now. Now, I'm hoping in this room, we have no fugitives. (laughs) We have lots of police and FBI that go to this church. So if I say, anybody a fugitive, raise your hand. There's a lot of people going to eyeball you, so don't do that. But I I would assume that you, maybe it's a wrong assumption. (laughs) But I would assume that there's nobody running from the law right now. But you know something? It's not just the police that we're held captive by or that. We're held captive by our past. Those past sins, those past problems, those past struggles, those past thoughts, those past friends. Everything that's back here can hold us down. And then God forbid I talk about the secret stuff. You know, the late night surfing or that that thing you stole or that affair that you had. Got quiet, didn't it? Because we all have those things and we pray and hope that it never comes out. Because what'll happen is And we know this, that the secrets that are deep down inside, all that needs to come out is one, and the facade that we've had for all of our life will crumble. And if that ever happened, they would see the real us. Can I say something real quick? It's not who you think you are, even your past. It's not that secret life. It's who God thinks you are. And God calls you a child. He says, you're adopted into his family now. You've been given a new name. And so that secret NIL who we used to be, we don't have to fear. We don't have to run from it anymore. As a matter of fact, what we can do, I feel like we can have an honest conversation with the heavenly father and go, I know you know it, but I just want you to hear it from me, that I know you know it. And watch what happens. This is what happens. Your new NIL, your new image and likeness is based on Christ making you new. It's not based on your past. It's not based on what happened back here. It's about Christ making you new. Second Corinthians 5:17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? New person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our lives. We are no longer, say that with me, we are no longer slaves to sin. What we used to be, we're not anymore. That doesn't mean you don't fall into that trap again. It just means you're not a slave to that thing anymore. That God has broken that from you. And I almost say this, becoming, because so many people, like they go to church and they, they get all emotional and they think, oh man, I turned a new leaf today. Christianity is not about turning a new leaf. It's about getting a new life. It's not about just turning a new leaf and you, you, you kind of, you come. So how many people read in our church? Good, three or four. Let's try this again. Maybe you weren't paying attention, you were looking at your phone, you were videotaping something that's gonna be a real later. How many people read in the room? Okay, how many people listen to music in the room? One of the things that always frustrates me because I read a lot, I read not as much as Alan reads but I read a lot and so I'll read four or five books a month. Um, it always drives me nuts though when I, when I get a book and it's like the revised copy. Did you ever get those? And you know what the revision is? They change the cover of the book. Right? They, they put it on different paper because it's a little bit, right? Or, or if you like the new revised version of this song, and all they did was they had a drum in it. You know? And you, you're frustrated, right? You feel like you've. You, well, that's what a lot of people think Christianity is just put a new cover on the book. Just, just put a new cover on the book. Just, just change the book. Or maybe you add a little bit of this to it or a little bit of that, and all of a sudden it's different. That's not what Christ did in our lives. Christ. Turned our lives upside down and changed it from the inside out. It's not about the outside. Now it's about the inside. And you know what a struggle is in the church? And I'll say this, and I'm going to talk about this for a couple seconds. A struggle in the church at large is we're more concerned what people look like than what they're acting like. Do you know, you know how we've done this? We feel like, like it's an add-on. How many people go to a restaurant and you go, hey, can I have ketchup on that? Or can I have mayonnaise on that? I'd like some onions on that. I would like whatever. They're add-ons, right? And some of those add-ons, if you put bacon, it's like $30 for bacon on your hamburger. <laughs> but they're add-ons. You know what we feel like? We feel like Jesus is an add-on to our life. That, you know, so here's Jesus right here. This is my spiritual life. I'm going to go to church for an hour. I'm going to get my hour in. I'm going to check that box. I'm going to serve a little bit. I'm going to serve someone who, I may even tie, so I'm going to check those things off. But that's my Jesus add-on. And then we have our add-on over here to our physical life our, and our emotional life and our relational life and all, these, all these things we have over here. And we just like, this is my spiritual part. This is how I, you know, this is it right here. And I'm only going to bring this out when I need to bring And that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus does not catch up into our lives. He's not an extra onion ring or an egg or, or you know, bacon on top of your hamburger. He wants to consume our whole entire lives. That's what he wants to do with us. And when we allow him to do that, that's where we become and how we become that new creation he wants us to become. I, I, want, I want to read this again in verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and it says a new life. It doesn't say he recreated the old life. It doesn't say he, he polished this part of your life. It says he gives us a brand new life. The person that you have become as a brand new you. It's a brand new me. You may look like the same person on the outside. You may, so when I was a senior in high school, I got, I asked Christ to be my savior between my junior and senior year. And I always ask the question, I still ask the question because I don't know what it, but what is a Christian supposed to look like? Think about that for a second. What does a Christian look like? Does it look like you? Does it look like me? Well, the only image that I have of what a Christian looked like was the guys that were on TV that were wearing suits and ties and their hair slicked back and they preached out of a King James Bible. So my junior and senior year, now listen, I I went to a little, a little small school in in the middle of the country. Like we walked, we walked to school one mile in the snow, uphill, both ways, both ways. And so, and I'm not lying about we walked to school. We had a mile walk from my house to where my school was. But it was one of those deals where I didn't know how to, I wanted the world to know. And maybe some of you felt the same. way, I wanted the world to know that Jesus had done something different. There was a change in me, but I didn't know how to do it. Nobody equipped me. I didn't know scripture. So every day at school, my senior year, I dressed up in a suit and tie. Sexy. Every day. Now I got best dressed that year too. But that's the only way I thought I thought the outside was the most important, not the inside. And I didn't know, how do you show somebody the inside? So I was, I was praying, every day I would pray, God, allow somebody to ask me why I'm wearing a suit and tie. And then I would go, because Jesus did something in a youth camp. And, my, and, my, and I would go through my story. Did anybody see the movie? I, it was, I think it's called Jesus Revolution. You don't have to raise your hand, but Jesus, you remember the story? Jesus? Somebody asked me, hey, have you seen it? And I was like, no, I lived through it. That was, my job. Like, that, was, that was my jam when I was growing up. We, we, we went to a church where it was nothing but hippies and it was nothing but these Jesus freaks coming out. I mean, it was like, I just thought it was normal. But, but there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of clips that didn't make the movie, but there's one clip that actually is, is about somebody that I knew. His name was Milan LeFevre. Some of you probably would know if I said Atlanta Rhythm Section, you have heard the banner Atlanta Rhythm. rhythm. Spooky. He played with... Atlanta Rhythm Section, and God radically changed his life at Mount Perrin um, under Dr. Paul Walker at Mount Perrin in, in, in Atlanta. And he, he, he would, they would go to church, and he would come in, he'd have the long hair down to here and the earrings and the, you know, the, they're back now, the pants that don't have any pants in them. I still can't figure out why some people pay like $150 for pants that got holes in them. I can, I can get Sears and Roebuck, forget it. You're meddling now. No, but you know, anyway, they had holes and earrings and just all, all and they would come into church. And I remember Dr. Walker telling me one day, uh, I said, like, what was it like having Milo in your church? He said, well, Milo would bring all his freaks, I mean, his friends. <laughs> And they would be in church, and they would be singing these songs, and they would be jamming out on guitars, and they would be playing keyboards and loud music and all that. And I said, how was it? He goes, well, it was a little awkward, he said, but I remember one specific night. A lady um, saw Mylon. Mylon came down to the altar one night, and the lady saw him and said, man, Mylon, I'm so glad that God is cleaning you up on the inside and doing all the things he's doing on the I'm praying that now he cleans you up on the outside. Can I just say something about our faith community? I'm glad you don't do that. I'm glad that people of all walks of life and all different you know, diff- different groups can come in this place and at least hear the dangerous message of Jesus Christ week after week after week. You need to applaud yourself because this is because you what you guys do every week. But that, he makes us new, and it's not necessarily an outside thing, it's an inside thing, and that's the most important. The second thing is, though your old NIL is based on who you used to be, your new NIL has made you right. R-I-G-H-T with God. And that's really important. It's not just a new life he's given. He's made you right. He has created that chasm that was there is no longer there. I love the way it says this because you've been made right with God, not by your own doing. And it says this in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And, as, and God has given us this task. And I, this word's a weird word, but it, it's a good word. We'll talk about it in a minute. Reconciling, reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So three times this word reconciliation. Let's focus on what reconciliation means. You know, like, what, what's it really mean? It means paid in full. It means taken care of. Like, you can't do it. So, so anybody know what being on probation is? Ron, you, 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 you raised your hand way too fast, brother. So, let me tell you what records So first service, I said, you know, I'm assuming nobody here is on probation. And I hear (laughs) about four rows back probation. Okay. But we love brother Ron, (laughs) even with his probation. (laughs) So probation is this, is that you're let go with parameters on it. There's strings attached to it. So as long as you play by these rules, whatever these rules are, you're fine. But if you step out of those rules, they're going to take you back to jail. So sometimes it's, you know, you got to stay in a certain proximity to things or you can't do certain things. You can't be in certain places. You can't carry a gun. <laughs> certain things you can't do, right? So that's, that's, that's probation. And then when you mess up, you go right back to jail. Lots of people think that's what Christianity is. And it's not that at all. You are not on probation. He expects you to mess up again. That's why His grace is sufficient. That's why His grace has set us free. That's why we can make those bold claims. Just this, this scares people. This scares people. He knew you were going to mess up before you messed up. And that's why we have Jesus, because we can go to the cross and we can bow a knee again. See, reconciliation is, you don't have to worry about that. you're pardoned. It never comes back. It's the, the Bible says in the Old Testament, your sin is as far as the East is from the West. He never brings it back up. That's reconciliation. That's what the writer of this is talking about right here. He's not talking about probation. See, and you know crack. I'm just going to say this. I'm a, I, I didn't get knee deep in this in the first service, but I've met people that think they've never done anything wrong. I I literally had a conversation a couple months ago with a guy that he walked up, he goes, you keep talking about this sin thing. I don't, I don't ever sin. I'm like, it's getting, it's getting, it's coming down. Just like, right. And, and, and and if you know me well, if you love me, you know, I have no filter. And so I'm I'm having this conversation with this guy and I said, really, you don't feel, you've never done anything wrong. Can I ask your ex-wife that question? And your other ex-wife? I believe you had three. Or can, can I talk to all your kids? Can I ask your kids if you've done anything wrong? Hey, how about your boss? How about your coworkers? Can I ask any of them if you've done anything wrong? See, the Bible says this, for all have sinned. The last time I checked, this is all. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've all messed up. Everyone in this room. So we're all on a level playing field. We we all have this huge need deep down inside us for Jesus. It's impossible. To, it's impossible to redeem ourselves. So we had to have Jesus to make us right. And, and regardless of the image that we may have tried to project, without Jesus, without His image, we're lost. We can't make it. Ephesians chapter two verse eight says, "God saved you by His grace." I love this, this illustration. I love this word picture. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for doing good things because we've all messed up. We've all done and says, so, so none of us could boast about it. We can't, we can't. We can't take credit for it. You have been made right with God. I have been made right with God. Can I say this? All the mercy you need in your life, he gave you that day. You asked him to take his rightful place is number one. All the forgiveness that you need. He, he took care of all of that. All the grace you need poured upon you to do life. Lamentations actually makes us a promise. Lamentations chapter three, verse 22. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. I love that passage. They, 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 they never cease. And it says, great is his faithfulness. And It says, his mercies begin each day or, 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 or afresh each morning. That means every morning, when, you need, when I need new mercies, I get new mercies tomorrow morning. Uh, to to clean up all the mess that I made today, I get, I get a clean slate. He watched anybody have kids like you have kids, like, do they still make those Etch-a-Sketch things? I talked about them a couple weeks ago. They make those Etch-a-Sketch things. I used to love them. I would play with them, play with them, play with them. And I would go, look, work of art. And they would go, dad, it's stupid, dad. And then you go, I know I have rough kids. (laughs) Then you shake it. And what does it do? That's what Jesus did to you. All the squiggly marks, all the mess, all the detours, all the wrongs, everything he did, he did that. So you wouldn't, the Bible says you wouldn't perish. What does that mean? Perish means be apart from God. And unfortunately, there's two places. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And the Bible says that that Jesus presented a way so we can have heaven. That's why we talk so much about heaven. I don't care about hell because I want everybody to go to heaven with me. So I'm going to tell you how to get there. And how you get there is through Jesus Christ. Let me give you another one real quick. We're going to close. Your new NIL. Your new NIL, your new name, image, and likeness comes with great purpose and potential. So I go turkey hunting every year and um, I usually go to Texas. A couple years ago, I flew into San Antonio, Texas. Okay, I think I'm saying it right. If you're from there, if I'm saying it right, go like that, San Antonio Is that how you say it? It's not San Antonio. Okay, so fly in. And I went to the Alamo. Anybody ever been to the Alamo? Underwhelming. Like I'm standing there like, where's it at? And the guy goes, it's right in front of you. I was like, where's it at? He goes, so that's it. And I was expecting this and it was like an outhouse. But there was one cool thing that happened. There's a there's a picture on the wall of a guy named. Well, it's really not him. It, it says there's a plaque. It's James Butler uh, Bonham, and it says no. And this is what it says: No picture of him exists. This portrait that you see here is his nephew, Major James Bonham, deceased, who greatly resembles his uncle. It's placed here today by the family, that the people may know the appearance of the man who died for freedom. It wasn't even a picture of the guy. So they have his name there and somebody else's picture. That sucks. (laughs) But you know what it made me think about? There's no literal portrait of Jesus either. Like we see some, but you weren't there. There was no iPhones back then. We don't know what he looks like, or do we? Because I believe the scripture tells us that people can see God and Jesus in us, and we become the image of God, and we become the portrait of God in this world. We get to show the world what Jesus looks like. Isn't that cool? That's what it says, because you play a vital role, 2 Corinthians. We're going to go back to 18, and we're going to wrap it up. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now watch this, verse 20. So we are Christ's, what's that word? Ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? Somebody that goes to a foreign land or a foreign place and acts as a representative of this group right here. We do it in government all the time. And I'm gonna let you in a secret today. This is not my home. This earth is not my home. All I'm called to be on this side of eternity is an ambassador to tell people about Jesus. This is not my home. As a matter of fact, scripture tells us we're foreigners and aliens to this place. Maybe that's why you feel so weird in the world you're living. And when you watch TV, you get the cringes and you get the the spite because you're not supposed to be here. This is not our home. One day, everyone who's asked Christ to be their savior, the Bible says, will go to a place called heaven, a literal place called heaven. And we'll get to hear the world—the words, well done, good and faithful servant, come into your rest. I can't wait to that day. But this is not my home. But I am called to have a work here and a message and a mission. And that's to tell people about Jesus. John 15, 16 says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Today, if you don't hear this, your NIL is to represent him. There's a, a great movie, The Miracle on Ice. I don't know how many people have seen the movie, so really, but it's about the, the US hockey team um, that won uh, the gold years ago. And um, it, it was a scene, it was a really cool scene. It was while, while Herb Brooks was the coach, Herb Brooks was sitting there and he's telling his team and he has all the jerseys lined out and they're getting ready to play Russia. Lots of people think they won the gold against Russia. They won, won the gold against Finland the next night. This was to get into the gold. So they're sitting there and he has, he has all of the jerseys lined up and all the jerseys are turned and facing so they can see the front. And her books goes like this. See, what name is on the front of that? And they're all going USA. No, no, shout it out. What's the name on the front of that jersey in USA? When they spun the jerseys around, he said, what's the name on the back? And they would say whatever their name it was. chaos. He said, I want you to hear this one thing. If you don't hear anything else, listen to this one thing. You play for the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey. You play for the USA. You know what? As believers, we play for the name on the front of the jersey. That's Jesus, not my name on the back of the jersey. That's what NIL means, that we are in the image of Christ. We demonstrate the image of Christ in the world, and we're in his likeness in the world. People see Jesus in us. Are they? The way you you have dialogue with your friends, your spouse, your kids, the way you do confrontation, are they seeing Jesus in you? I going to pray for us real quick. I want you to stand up with me. And when you walked in this room, you were given communion cups and we're going to take communion. We're going to do this a little different. We will ask you to take it anytime during this song. And it's a song about who you are. It's a song about who I am. And at that moment right there, where you feel like, man, you're connecting with God, we would ask you just to peel it back and just say, thank you, God, for everything you do. I love what it says in scripture. He says, he did this and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Well, today we can be reminded of what we are, who we are because of what Christ has done. It's a great reminder of who we are. But I want you to do me a favor real quick because I just feel like there's lots of people in this room. There's lots of people in the atrium today. There's lots of people watching online I'm down in would. And I would assume that some of us walked in this place today with the wrong NIL. Why don't you bow your heads real quick. Ask simple questions. If, if today if today you've come to this place and maybe you're struggling with the old NIL and maybe you never made a decision to change that and today you're being you know just it's a tug it's a conviction we're not going to do anything weird. We're not going to take you to a back room. We're not going to ask you to come up front. All I'm going to do is ask you to do one thing. If today you want your NIL changed, the only way it could be changed is by asking Christ to take his rightful place as number one, by acknowledging the cross and the sin that you have in our life, the sin that I have in my life, by acknowledging that and taking that step, crossing that spiritual line in the sand and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you to help me with my new NIL. If that's you, whether you've known him one time or never have known him, but today you wanna to make a decision, I want you to do me a favor. Everybody's eyes are shut, we're face to the ground. I want you, if that's you today, I want you to look up at me real quick. That's awesome, that's crazy. All across this room. Don't put your head down yet, I haven't been able to scan the room, there's so many. So cool, so cool, thank you. I said there's no secret room, there's no secret prayer. I want you just to pray right now. Just, just you and God. And, and it can be simple, as simple as this. God, I need you in my life. I ask you to take your role as number one in my life. I ask you to be my savior, my, my everything. That you would give me a new name and a new image and a new likeness, that I would be like you. Father, for the rest of us, there's lots of us in the room that we've toiled back and forth. We've gone back and forth with this. We struggle sometimes, but other times we do great. God, allow us over the next three weeks to understand who we are in you that you have changed us and you love us and you care about us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextstepsjourneycommunity.net.